Hi everyone, this is Jen and Sam and welcome to our podcast Miracle Mindset. Where we give you our unsolicited, probably unwanted advice. But if you want to become the best version of yourself, start believing in yourself a little bit more, then tune in every Sunday for the podcast. Cheers. Bye. So as you know, we currently don't have a sponsor yet. We don't really want to get anything on unless you fully believe in it. So whilst we wait for the perfect sponsor, we're going to sponsor ourselves. So as you will probably have seen by now, we do have our first product out. We're so, so, so proud and happy with it. It's a deck of 50 affirmation and journal prompt cards. So the reason behind doing this is we've had affirmation cards before where we've not felt like they were that personal to us or didn't kind of resonate with them. So we've made it so that you can really delve a little bit deeper into your mind, your journey, what's true to you. Yeah, so we've split a lot of the questions up between like relationships, career, mindset, and with the affirmation comes a journal prompt. So each morning we want you to stay off your phones, journal, get a little bit more mindful, and the affirmations, when you obviously delve a little bit deeper into them, they'll manifest easier for you, you'll feel so much more aligned to them, and we're so excited to bring you them. So it's 50 days of consistent journaling for you, reprogramming your mind, and we know how important it is to do that, so we're so excited to bring you them. You can buy them on our website or our Etsy store. Message us on Instagram if you have any other questions. We'll obviously always be happy to speak to you, but yeah, hopefully you love them as much as we do. Everybody, and welcome to another episode of Miracle Mindsets. So today we've got on the show Jamie Clements. I'm so excited for you to listen to this podcast and we've started to get more people on who actually know or are experts in certain areas and who can delve a little bit deeper obviously we talk so much about mindset but I do believe that there's so much relevance in different spiritual like experiences and exercises so Jamie is a breathwork coach and honestly this podcast will just blow you away it's so good like you can't, I can't, or like, like I said on the podcast, I can't actually believe that like breath is so overlooked when it comes to like regulating our emotions and our physical, our mental health, like it's so, so powerful. Hey, Jen isn't with me because we forgot to film an introduction, so here we are. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I really, really hope you enjoy this episode and take a lot from it. I'm definitely going to be getting more into breathwork myself because it is actually something that I haven't really done. But I feel like I'm getting a little bit deeper into the spirit world. (laughs) I was telling my boyfriend before, I was like, really getting more spiritual now. I'm going to start chanting and doing all. He was like, absolutely not. But yeah, anyway, enjoy and we'll see you next week. So today we have Jamie with us who does all breathwork, have your own podcast working with apps just quit your job as well like us do you want to introduce yourself a little bit and what you do yeah absolutely and thank you for having me it's great it's lovely to be here so yeah um jamie clements i'm 27 live in london um God, that sounded like a intro to take me out didn't it but, how's it going girls <laughs> um but yeah, no, so I'm breathwork coach and a podcaster. So all of my work really centers around mental and emotional health. So my podcast is called Man Down, and that's all focused on men's mental health, masculinity, the role of masculinity within mental health. And over the last kind of year and a half, it's branched out into different weird and wonderful 
topics and guests and, and things like that. And then started my breathwork practice about probably somewhere between nine months and a year ago. Um, so working with individuals, working with groups, companies, athletes, um, apps, as you guys mentioned, um, to sort of bring breathwork. For me, it's all about making it as accessible as possible. I think there's, you know, there's a lot out there when it comes to breathwork now, especially over the last couple of years. So really just trying to make it as accessible as possible for everybody. Um, because for me, you know, I came into it about three and a half years ago as a big skeptic. And so I know the importance of, of working with people who understand it and, and can share it in a way that works for everybody. Um, so yeah, it's all really just about this holistic, well-rounded approach to, to mental and emotional health with a little bit of a kind of, waiting towards men's mental and emotional health just because that's my lived experience and it's also where i feel like you know given what we see in the stats and everything else it's it's an important area to, to be paying attention to so yeah that's a relatively brief intro that's actually amazing how did because i feel like breathwork even like me being quite spiritual and like have done a lot of work like i've done like meditation i've done journaling and like I don't even know about breathwork that much so it's like a very I feel yeah. like it's very like I really wanted to get you on and like learn about it and, and how did you get into it like what where did you learn it or what made you want to be a breathwork coach like how did it start yeah sort of by accident as I think like a happy accident like all of these things do so I um between the age of like 15 and 25 suffered quite badly with depression anxiety panic attacks and it was around sort of middle of 2018 towards the end of 2018 that I was in I was in a pretty dark place and I got I started going to therapy which was amazing and then also was really digging in I was start I was at the beginning of like doing the work doing the hard stuff the and um the, the the work with a capital W and um I was just looking into everything like as most people do with meditation, like headspace, calm, you know, just trying to find these roots into things that could help and that I've heard have helped other people. And I started getting really into yoga. Um, I've always been quite into my fitness, but was getting very into yoga and was going to this studio near where I live, which I actually now teach at, which is quite a nice sort of full circle. Um, but started training there, was one of the first members at the studio, a place called Move in Fulham. And um, Christian, the guy that owns the studio, was I was going to this class every Wednesday morning. It was just like a sort of fitnessy hit sort of yoga crossover primal movement class. And he was like, oh, why don't you stick around for, for breath work? It's straight after. And I was like, what's that? Like, what is it? <laughs> and I think that's the reaction I get from a lot of people still. But Famous last I, words. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he was like, just give it a try. And I, I went as a guy called Richie, who's, um, you know, to this day, he's one of the you know, most influential people that I've met in, in the breathwork space. He's doing incredible things, someone that I, I look up to a lot. And um, it just sort of, it didn't blow my mind straight away. I, that, that would be a bit of a lie if I was just like, the first session just blew my mind because I think that over promises. Um, but I kept going. I was like, there's something in this. There was something about it. It was a sense of sort of deep peace and clarity that I hadn't had for ever really. And so I just kept at it, kept going. And then it was about nine months later, I ended up at a men's event. It was this men's event um, in London and it was a full afternoon and there's 120 guys there. And we did 
like Wim Hof stuff, like ice baths and a bit of breath work at the start of the day. And then a guy called Ben Bidwell gave a big talk on vulnerability, masculinity and his journey with mental health. And then we went into a 90 minute breath session with, with Richie again. And in that session, that was the one that really like blew my mind. It just completely blew me away. I, the way I always talk about it is that I experienced in that session happiness and like joy and bliss and peace that I'd never felt before in my whole life. And it was something that as someone who had suffered with their mental health, that really actually made quite a significant impact in a single session. So I was like, like, this is the real deal. Like, this is something I'd love to be able to share with other people. Um, and I, I remember sitting down with Richie a few days later, just being like, how, you know, how do I go? How do I get into this? Like, wh what's the process? And he being the very wise man that he is, he basically said, you know, that's great that you've had this amazing experience, but go deeper, like do more, do more. And so I went off to Sri Lanka as, as most cliches do to sort of go a little bit deeper into this stuff. And, um, it's my first big experience of proper solo travel, went to this seven day breathwork retreat. Um, and again, just kind of cracks me open, blew, blew my mind really, it's, it's an amazing, and I'm sure we'll get into this. It was just this amazing combination of emotional release, but also introspection and sort of self-inquiry. So not only were you purging like trauma and, and things that are, are locked away that you've been pushing down for years, but also you learn things about yourself that sometimes you wouldn't be able to see or understand from normal waking consciousness. So um, after that, started training, started going through the processes that I needed to go through to get to where I am today. Um, and yeah, all of the trainings, everything around that only helped to sort of cement my love for it and my passion for it. So um, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how we, we end up sat here. Amazing. On the retreat, how do you deal with something like as profound and life-changing as a seven-day retreat like that? Like, what's the experience like? What's the come down from it like? Like, how do you come back into reality and change things from there on out? It's a great question. Yeah. So um, I was there, I was very lucky actually. So I was there last March. So just literally just before lockdown number one, like the very first one. When I was on my flight out, it was sort of coronavirus was this like mythical sort of thing that was happening in China and I remember being like oh it'll never it'll never reach us and here we are you know almost 18 months later <laughs> but got out there and I had I was out there for two two weeks first week was at the retreat and the second week I was just moving around traveling um, but actually didn't end up moving around that much because pandemic was starting to sort of arrive in Sri Lanka as well and things were starting to get a little bit hairier um, but I always say like that retreat, that first week couldn't have set me up much better for what was about to happen in the world because I was just feeling so, I guess, sort of clear and grounded in myself that I was, I was pretty unshakable. Like I remember I was meant to fly home on the Saturday and on the Tuesday, some people I'd met out there were like freaking out, moved their flight forward, left four days early. Every, every group of people that I met, they were all doing that. And I was like, I just, I, I, it wasn't registering. I was just like, it's like, I understand what's going on, but I'm still going to get home. Like I just had sort of this, this knowing that it was all going to be fine. Um, and then I ended up flying home a day early because they were about to close the island. So I, I got the last flight out of Sri Lanka back home. Um, but this is kind of a roundabout way of saying that there's 
a huge part of the breathwork puzzle, I suppose, uh, that is centered around integration, which is this process of how do you bring what you've learned, what you've felt, what you've experienced into your day-to-day -day life? Because I think those experiences, especially on retreats, are virtually useless, not quite useless, but almost useless if they don't impact your life. Like it's all well and good going and sitting on top of a mountain, but if you come home and start arguing with your girlfriend or your dad or your mom or whoever it might be straight away, then it's not really done much good. So the process was yeah just to to try and build that in and, and every day at the retreat it was journaling it was i've got voice notes like 20 minute long voice notes that i recorded for myself of the experience and what i'd been through and how it was all starting to make sense and there's a lot of crossover and this is where i'm sort of taking my own learning and my own research at the moment there's quite a lot of crossover between um the psychedelic space the psychedelic therapy space and the breathwork space and in both of those this concept of integration is so important and actually how do you make those make those things whatever they might be those insights those kind of nuggets of information how do you make them stick and how do you actually bring them home um so yeah it was kind of the best possible prep for 5000 lockdowns well. yeah mm -hmm. and everything that was about to come um it was yeah it was it's something I'll definitely do again because, you know, regardless of how much I think I know about myself or how much I think I know about breathwork, those will always be, you know, some of the most valuable experiences that, that I can have. It's crazy to think of you as a person, like if you wouldn't have, if you could imagine your old self in this lockdown, like dealing with that. And being able to have like a tool like breathwork, which obviously we'll figure out, like we'll find out more about as like an anchor that can fully stop someone from being in a really like low place and not being able to control their, and regulate their emotions. Like it's crazy the power that it, it actually has. Absolutely. I think um, that for me was one of the biggest things. Like I, I've touched a little bit on sort of the, the deeper end of the spectrum in terms of working with trauma, working with emotional baggage but at, like the very beginning of understanding your breath and the role that it plays that for me was incredibly powerful tool as someone who you know if you think about a panic attack it's rapid breathing it's uncontrollable and I always felt so passive to my anxiety like it was just happening to me and I didn't really have a say and actually being able to use my breath understand how it works and actually change it in a way that can help myself is so it's really empowering in a way like just being able to take back that control not only over your physical body but also on like the mental emotional side of things as well so it is you know it's this thing that is so so simple but so powerful at the same time i think it's amazing that like you created that space and like got into all of this in london like we've spent a bit of time in london since we've quit our jobs and it is go go it go. is a like, rat race <laughs> i don't know like we were even speaking before and sometimes i find it hard like when i was working to get into the space of like well-being and journaling and like it's a different vibration isn't it like it's literally a different space that you need to be in and i can't imagine coming out of like a studio like that into the mix of london we tried to film a podcast in london and like every two minutes, you're like, sorry, guys, a lawnmower is going past. So like, sorry, guys, sorry about the sirens. Like, the, like do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it is hectic. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, my, my girlfriend and I are probably going to be moving out of London like mm. sometime next year. Um, 
nothing well partly to do with the fact that we're about to get a, a dog but oh. also, I mean, <laughs> we're actually so I'm, well, it's uh, good to see a baby then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A dog. Not, not quite yet just a dog but yeah we're probably going to move out because we're just very aware like acutely aware of how it impacts us like we're not we're yeah. out in Spain at the moment and this sort of weight that you can feel just lift off of your mind and your also your body like wow. I think as you you guys will know this I'm sure but like as you get more in tune with your body and like more embodied more connected with what you feel as well as like how you feel things impact you more you can actually feel you become slightly more sensitive and not in a negative way sensitive to stimulus and so feeling that it just intensifies the intensity of somewhere like London like it's any big city but London is particularly guilty and especially when you know it's not just the environment it's the people as well and I was actually listening to this podcast the other day and it really resonated and it was a guy called Andrew Huberman who's an amazing neuroscientist and he was talking about the role of vision in stress and anxiety and basically I can't remember the ins and outs of it but if your visual field is very narrow, so high-sided buildings, narrow streets, that is a trigger for stress. So it's no surprise being in a city. Like if you think about when you like walk out and see a huge wide expansive horizon, your whole being just sort of goes, oh. and so the opposite is true as well. Like if you're in a very sort of the tube or like a narrow street with high-sided buildings, your visual field is so closed down that it's actually triggering stress. So there's a lot going on like, not just psychologically, but also biologi uh, biologically, physiologically, that can impact your stress response as well. Wow. Do you know what you were saying before, like when it changes from how you're feeling to actually feeling it, so like a, a thought to a feeling, like comparing your therapy initially to like doing actually body work, like working with the body, do you think, because like for sometimes I think for me, like and I watched... Um, it was Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop. She has like a company where she sends a staff out to have these experiences. And this guy went to therapy for years and years and then did, um, I think it was mushrooms, but like yeah. said like the bodily experience of that and oh, the yeah, feeling of the body and like actually working with your body was so much more like healing than sometimes talking about your problems. Like do you, what kind of relevance do you think in terms of like now you're doing breath work and stuff? Do you think it has a different impact than just talking about your problems? hundred percent. I think, you know, occasionally I think when I talk about this stuff, people can think that I'm anti-therapy, but that's just, it's not true at all. Like therapy has massively helped me and millions of other people. However, it, it, it can only take us so far. I think for me, I view therapy as an amazing first step for people in becoming aware of their patterns of their triggers of their shit like all of it like there's you need to become conscious of it in, in order to help yourself and I know there's some people out there who will actually even disagree with that that you don't necessarily need to become conscious of it to be able to process it um, and some people might go even further to say becoming conscious of your traumas can actually just serve to re-traumatize you so that's sort of the therapy piece and we can get people talk about the talk therapy trap where you know talking consciousness understanding rational thought is is all here it's it's prefrontal cortex it's kind of our, our thinking brain trauma adverse circumstances especially 
age naught to seven and like early de developmental years, that all impacts the amygdala. That's like animal brain, lizard brain. And basically the amygdala, the lizard brain reacts before our thinking mind has a chance to change the reaction. So if there's a strong trigger that's rooted in trauma, that's rooted in your past, that will take over and switch your thinking mind off before you have a chance. And that's why you can't talk yourself out of trauma. Um, and so that's why we're seeing more and more and more this emphasis on somatic work. So body work, somatic experiencing is an amazing form of trauma work, which is just focus is really on body work and the role of the body. Is that the also, one where they literally like put their hands over and like, don't touch what your body is like spazzing out? So <laughs> is that not Reiki? <laughs> no, that's yeah. it on Goop. That was Reiki. It's not Reiki, yeah. it's something else. And he literally it's where the guy stands over and he's like, he, what it was Reiki that is that Reiki? Yeah, but he's was, just yeah. the master. That's extreme, but yeah. I was gonna say Reiki, yeah. But yeah, somatic experiencing is more like touch-based somatic work in uh -oh. aligned like with working through specific triggers. Um and breath work the same. And and the thing I always say about breath work is. I heard Aubrey Marcus talking about this and basically the theory, you know, books like Body Keeps the Score, where this modern kind of trauma-based therapy is starting to come through and become more acknowledged, is basically saying anytime we push down consciously or unconsciously an emotion or we experience trauma, that leaves an imprint on our nervous system. And so that is not something that we can work through necessarily by talking about it. It's a physical um, manifestation of trauma and of adverse circumstances. So we have to find methods to work with that. And for me, that's why breathwork has the potential to be so, so powerful and transformational because it's nonverbal therapy in a way. You can bring things to the surface. It's my old um, mentor who I trained with a guy called Alan Dolan talks about it as emotional archeology. span Like you're just going digging and you bring it to the surface and you clear and process it. And you might not ever be aware of exactly what that thing was. You could have a huge emotional release, not really knowing what the root of it was, but you still cleared part of it. And so you just work through and work through and work through and sort of give your sort of nervous system a bit of a scrub. And Aubrey Marcus talks about it as like this buildup of gunk throughout your life, which then turns up as physical pain, mental and emotional pain, negative patterns that sort of hijack your life and hijack the way you interact and um it's just about bringing ourselves back to back to more of our sort of true essence in a lot of ways i do agree with that so much like especially like the methodical realizing what your triggers and things might be limitations but then with the talking therapy you can only go so far like i went to a few sessions like mostly real mindsets but then I was talking about it and because I am so aware anyway like I was basically telling her she did I don't think I let the poor girl get two words in her it's like I was literally just telling her and then I went back again and I was telling her again and I didn't go again so I was like what more can be done here yeah. like the work just needs to be done to change it like instead of talking about it again and again I know why I feel this way and, and like yeah well that's I mean I remember like reading about it's very similar to what you were saying like it whenever you block anything down but it's it was more like yoga terms it, it's called like a samskara and it's like a, an emotional blockage within like your emotional realm and your, like your chakras and stuff and like 
you, you might not even know that you've had it. Like it could be passed down generationally or it could be when you were zero to seven. So logically, you might just not know, like, like you were saying before, you might not even know what emotional releases you need. Like you might not thought-wise be able to even process that up here, but emotionally you can release it when you work with the body. And when that kind of emotion comes up and that feeling and that energy, like you let it release, you don't try and think about what it is and process it. You let the body do it and then the release comes, which you'll tell us about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so go on. So give us a little breakdown. So what is breath work? What's what's the session look like? Yeah, I think I think that's probably a good time to explain to people listening what we're actually talking about. So <laughs> I'm going to pay for this. I'm ready to know. <laughs> um, so it's a it's it's a big question, right? So as I kind of touched on, as breathwork, breathwork's been around for a very long time. Um, I don't even know how long. And in the last couple of years, the popularity, the prevalence, especially in you know, the UK, the US, Western society has has really grown and grown. But with that, the definition of what breathwork actually is, has also gotten a lot broader. So um, when I, when people say, what is breathwork, I normally try and flip it back around on them and be like, you tell me, and then I can fill in the gaps, or at least give my version of that, because everyone has their own, their own version. I'm by no means um, the only person who knows about this stuff. And I'm sure other people will, will talk about it in different ways. But for me, there are three main pillars of breathwork. So the, it, the best way I can simplify it, and I use this acronym that um, there's a, a breathworker down in South Africa who's also a, a doctor called Ila Manga, and she uses this acronym called ART, the art of breathwork. So A-R-T. So these are the three pillars. So A stands for awareness, R stands for regulation, T stands for transformation. So at our very kind of, entry sort of fundamental level we have to become aware of how we're breathing and stuff we've talked about already right it's like we do this thing on average across the whole population we breathe over twenty-five thousand times every single day and we can do it without thinking about it and that's great it keeps us alive but if we're not doing it in a way that is optimal for our physical mental and emotional health then that can be you know wreaking havoc in our lives in ways we're again not even aware of so understanding the role of your breath the power of it and how that then links into your nervous system which takes us onto the r the regulation is a really really powerful thing so the breath is so powerful because of the role that it plays within something called our autonomic nervous system so the autonomic nervous system governs all of the automatic functions within our body. So digestion, heart rate, breathing, so on and so forth. Breathing, the breath is the only one of those functions that we can consciously control. So it is the direct link into our nervous system from a conscious perspective. So it's the only way we can consciously control where we sit within our nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system, again, broadly speaking, splits into the sympathetic, which is the fight flight response and the parasympathetic, the rest and digest response. So we can actually use our breath to go from here, stress to here, relaxation and vice versa. I think there's, that's a common misconception as well as that it's only about calming down. We can actually use our breath to go in the other way to give us focus, energy, motivation, concentration, all of these other 
things that are incredibly useful that sit within the sympathetic, the fight flight response. And then we have the T, which stands for transformation, which is basically what we've talked about so far, which is about how can we use the breath at a deeper level to tap into emotional blockages, to work with trauma, to in some cases, and I'll touch on now kind of what a session looks like, in some cases to essentially what we're doing is accessing an altered state of consciousness. So that's where the linked psychedelic starts to come in. That's where the big sort of expansive transformational experiences start to come through. Um, so a session could be when we're talking about sort of the T, the transformational work, anywhere from 30 to 30 minutes to three hours. I, I don't run anything really over 90 minutes, but there are some schools that will do up to three hours. Um, and we use a single technique coupled with a, a couple of other bits and pieces around the sides. Um, and we move through that either as a group or as individuals. Um, and the experience, you're lying on your back, you're breathing in a certain way. And the experience can be super cathartic so big emotional releases as we've kind of alluded to it can be pretty trippy it can be quite psychedelic in nature in terms of visuals physical sensations people very often get tingling in their body again it's that energy moving within the system um what else can happen so much like the the, the experience is different from person to person but also from session to session so i've had experiences where I have felt so relaxed, like I've almost left my body, just like complete stillness. I've also had like uncontrollable sobbing and shaking for an hour. So there's like, there's a lot of options. Um, but within that, you kind of come to, we don't really talk about it in these terms, but I think it's quite accessible for people to think about it. If they've done yoga before, you come at the end to like a shavasana like this resting pose on your back where you're just breathing in and out of your nose again, you've kind of come to the end of your session. And that can be so peaceful and so like deeply meditative in a lot of ways because you are, there's a lot of stuff going on in the brain and in the body when we do this certain style of breath work. Um, but the theory, and I'm hoping to get more involved in like the research side of things, and that's a story for another day, but the theory goes that we're actually turning down the volume, actually sort of down-regulating a part of our brain called the default mode network, which is supposedly kind of the seat of the ego. So it's our ego mind, that reactive conscious internal chatter, the monkey mind, that when we do this style of breath work, we can turn that down, which is how we're able to see more activity in you know, the emotional parts of our brain. Um, some people get memories that they thought they'd lost and never and hadn't tapped into for years. Um, other people get that real stillness. So it's just kind of, a, and this is why I, with my sessions, I will never say in this session, you will feel X because that's not my role. My role is to make sure that everybody is safe and to guide people through that experience. But what happens when we turn down the volume on that part of the brain is no longer up to us. It is kind of what comes up. It's what we're holding on to, what needs to be released, what we feel like, not even we feel like, but what the body wants to show us in a lot of ways. So um, the, the, the explanation of what breathwork is never gets any shorter, um, but there's a lot there that people, regardless of their appetite for this stuff, can be a benefit. You know, you were saying that like you 
have focused a bit with men and mental health and stuff how have you found like the response with men like are they open to it and like how do you feel it does help them especially obviously because it is a fact like when I did um, a course in work it was about like the severity of like mental health in men um in the UK especially obviously like we were saying like it's so nine to five it's so go 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 and especially like in construction and stuff it's like the highest suicide rate and stuff so how do you think like breathwork does help them and like are they open to it it's a work in progress I think it, it aligns for me very closely with what I see with the the appetite for work around men's mental health more broadly I think there's so much great work that has been done and continues to be done in terms of getting men to engage with these conversations engage with their own mental health breathwork for me has a lot of potential for men specifically because of the fact that it is non-verbal um, so you're actually able to work through stuff without having to sit in a therapist chair and talk talk about it which is I think for a lot of guys actually um, a big part of the problem and also I guess second to that is you know for me whenever I talk about men's mental health and the problems that that we see it, it all comes back in a lot of ways to what is essentially a culture globally of emotional repression for men and you know the, as we talked about with breathwork it's helping to work through emotions that have been repressed so the more emotions you have repressed the better it's going to be or the more potential it has to really help you so i'm really um passionate about getting men involved in this work it's just it's a little bit more difficult as a as a general sort of cell and and we see people engaging with stuff like the wim hof method because it is a little bit more um masculine and kind of active and yeah there's it's it's more masculine naturally but um for me, you know, because breathwork has so many different facets and, you know, I mentioned at the start, like I work with some athletes around how we can optimize their breathing, like from a physiological and a functional perspective to optimize their performance. And then they're like, hmm, what, you know, okay, so I've done this breathwork with you. What's this like deep dive thing that you're talking about? And then because they've gotten hooked on something that's to do with sport or whatever, it might be something that's a bit more accessible for them as a guy or traditionally as a guy, um, you can kind of get them talking about the other stuff. And that's where I think a lot of the, I've just given away my secrets, but that's how a lot of the kind of the work with guys can come about. I was going to say, I think it's all about making it accessible. It's making, I think like sometimes if you hear, like if you heard that you went to Sri Lanka and did a big profound experience, people aren't always ready for that. Like, and they're not open to it. Like I don't suppose a lot of people on a building site when all they do is work and then go to the pub and it's very like surface level. But like, yeah, lads, just off to Sri Lanka next week. So like- but then. Like, of my work yeah but then, but then if you go into a class that's about sport optimization and you would be on a Saturday it makes it so accessible it does and like even um when I went to hot yoga there was so many um boxes there and I was like ah like what usually would be considered quite a feminine sport and like if you said oh let's come and do yoga like I feel like a lot of men have switched flipped the Boxing switch is a good one. I went round my work like last year and I worked on like a sales floor of like 80 lads and I had to ask them because we were doing like a magazine for work I was like oh like what makes you mindful or like what makes you for mental health and to be fair they were all saying boxes wow. they were like yeah I'd follow like Fury or someone like who advocates it 
yeah i think it's that there's been a huge amount of change and i think that um it's something we always have to acknowledge is just how far we've come in quite a short space of time um but there's still more to be done i think and i, I yeah i do think you know charities like calm um who have focused more so like on on the men's mental health side of things are doing great work and we're seeing a lot of celebrities. I think that's powerful. It's more powerful than potentially it should be, but it does what gets through to people. People like Tyson Fury, although he does have some really pretty horrific views on other things, he's actually a really great advocate for mental health um, and a good ambassador on that front. And, you know, with the, for example, the documentary that Freddie Flintoff did about his bulimia and like raising awareness around sort of men's eating disorders as well. It's really is amazing to see, but I do just I, I feel like there's there's still sort of systemic, cultural, societal level things that we need to really look at to see significant change to some of the issues as well. As like as a male, what would you say like is the best way to get someone talking? Do you know as like a as a man, like yeah. what is the best way to actually approach it. approach it and try and get that kind of stigma away? I think um, for me, I've always been a big advocate and that's why, where I think podcasts are an amazing tool um, of letting, as you guys kind of touched on, letting people come to this in their own time. If you force someone, it's actually probably going to do more harm than good if you really try and shove it down someone's throat. And so... Um, I, I'm a strong believer in in sort of leading by example. Um, for me, you know, any kind of vulnerability, talking about your stuff, talking about your struggles, is incredibly, uh, I guess, scary in a lot of ways when you first start doing it. But the virality and like the contagious nature of talking about this stuff is is really empower, uh, empowering. And I remember it's something that's happened you know I probably first spoke publicly about my mental health um at the start of 2019 and I've consistently had and men and women but I'd, I'd say more more men people I know people that I used to play rugby with people that I've not spoken to for a while people that I know really well reaching out and just being willing to have those conversations with me because I've done it yeah. and that's yeah and it's 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 absolutely nothing kind of special in terms of how like what I know what I do it's just there's a, a kind of there's a connection there if you've really shown shown up fully for them to say okay like and I'm, it's it's not an easy thing but being able to sort of say you know hey mate like random like I get it all the time like really random sorry like sorry to bother you like typically quite apologetic in how it happens and I'm just like hey it's totally fine like thank you like I'm honored in a lot of ways that people feel comfortable talking to me about this stuff but um it's that for me I think is the main thing for everybody is just leading by example and it's amazing to see the actually wider level change that that can enact because for me now like I have a, a long-standing group of mates from school. There's about 20 of us and one of our friends um, took his own life in uh, May 2019. And that for us was sadly a, an awful time, but also a really big turning point for our 
own support within the group within mental health and the conversation shifted and all of a sudden it became a very normal conversation because a few of us were like well this can never fucking happen again so let's change it and and unfortunately it does seem to take someone hitting rock bottom or someone losing their life for change to happen and i think that for me is a bit of a personal mission is that we don't want it to have to get to that point anymore like we need to go more preventative than reactive yeah um so yeah i think like you're so right with that because i think it's such it's such a lonely place when you do feel that way because you don't it's i don't know if it's embarrassment or whatever that stops you reaching out to people straight away and being like look this is where i'm feeling maybe it's just not within you to speak so openly and i think especially like you get yourself into a hole with that like I know someone who like is very quiet and then so the more they don't speak the more it probably builds up and builds up and it's like when do the walls start to come down and I think it's just like an open conversation or having someone to openly relate to probably podcasts are probably such an amazing tool for that because you hear stranger stories and it's like even what you were saying initially like about that workshop where there's 120 men like it needs to be more common do you know what I mean like it should that should be a thing where like men or even I just think even in like workplaces it should be compulsory for some sort of mindful mindful moments but do you know what I mean like just some time to like for people to unload or at least just like know that it's okay do you know what I mean like in my normal yeah in my work like we did like so much on mental health week and like I feel like it's a stepping stone isn't it I could definitely think there's like you were saying before we are definitely getting better, but there is just still so much work to be done. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and we're moving in the right direction. Like the dial is moving, and that that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. Um, so we can only, as individuals, we can only do so much. I think, and um, yeah, it's just important to keep on keep on doing it. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely moving in the right direction, which is it's always a good thing. Yeah, it is. So go on. So tell us a little bit about an actual breathwork session. So give us a little example. How does it go? I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a life changer to me. <laughs> yeah. So um, the the session itself would be for me. For me, I actually think that group sessions are really, really powerful because you get kind of that group dynamic, that group energy that um, you can feed off other people, sort of indirectly. Um, and again, it's sort of a case of everyone being there for the same reason. It's shared vulnerability, it's shared experience. So um, there would be, and again, this ties quite closely to the psychedelics work as well. In, in the world of psychedelic therapy, they talk about the importance of set and setting for the experience. So the mindset that you're in going into the experience and the setting that you're in the environment and, and things feed into that, like lighting, music, the guidance, you know, comfort as well, like how comfortable you feel in that space, because that is going to be how comfortable you are to let go and sort of surrender to it. And so there would be, yeah, I, the way I structure it, and again, everybody's different, but I'll start with pretty sort of calm, um, calm music, fairly calm lighting, um, sort of take people through some basic sort of grounding exercises, slowing the breath, actually calming the body, calming the mind, a body scan really to drop into the physicality like the physical element of the body and then the technique itself is called conscious connected breathing so this technique underpins pretty much all of the main schools of these deeper healing modalities of breath work 
and in slightly different forms, but it's much, it's variations on the same theme. And that breath can either be in through the nose or in through the mouth. Um, and it's got a full active inhale and then a soft passive exhale. So I normally do mouth, mouth. So I take a big breath in and then you sigh out and you keep the breath connected. And it's just sort of a really kind of continuous connected breath. So there's no pause between inhale and exhale. It's almost a form, some people will talk about it as a form of like controlled hyperventilation, um, but done in a very safe way, done in a very kind of secure container. And people will go through that, you know, let's say we're doing an hour's session, I'd probably do three rounds of 20 minutes. And between each round, we do um, a breath hold. So we'd hold our breath after the exhale. So you'd empty your lungs and hold your breath. And because of the way we're breathing with that technique, we've lowered the level of carbon dioxide in our blood to a point where we can hold our breath for a pretty long time. Like some people will hold their breath for probably, I'd say on average, the average person between one and four minutes. Wow. Um, so yeah. I always saw that with like divers and things like how do you do I remember watching a film on a surfer and he was like in class learning to like hold his breath and he could get up to seven minutes and I was like how do you actually do that yeah. I didn't know you could actually do that it's crazy like the, uh, the a, a basic very basic biology lesson for everybody listening like <laughs> the um everybody thinks and I think it's just a gap in in how we get taught biology but everybody thinks that the the, stim the primary stimulus to need to breathe, like that feeling of needing air, is because we don't have enough oxygen. And that's not really the case. It's because of rising levels of carbon dioxide. So when we hold our breath, the level of carbon dioxide in our blood starts to rise and we go, oh shit, I need to breathe. And you take a breath. <laughs> because of how we're breathing and lowering the level of carbon dioxide in our blood, it takes a lot longer to rise up to a point where we need to breathe. Um, so because of how we're breathing with conscious connected breath work, you put yourself into a state where you can hold your breath. And it's, you know, not specifically that technique, but very similar techniques as, as you touched upon will get used in free diving in, you know, the, the world of, of water sports as well, because, you know, I think the world record free divers are, are mad. Like the world record, I think is something like 24 minutes with a single breath underwater or something like that um which blows my mind which absolutely blows my mind so yeah we, for the session move through like three rounds of say 15 to 20 minutes of doing that kind of breath work breath holds after each round then that sort of shavasana piece at the end and then usually some kind of like sharing or questions it's really nice in a group setting to actually share because it just sort of cements that and it helps people to integrate their own experience because as with all things mental and emotional health everybody thinks their experience is unique and it never is so actually having that sort of shared um that sharing element is really important um and yeah i guess in terms of what people could expect from experience you know it is an incredibly powerful tool for self-inquiry so actually being like like we'll always set an intention at the start of the practice and and sometimes it will be you know what do i want more of in my life or what should i do about x and and quite often you'll get shown or feel sort of the answers coming through um big emotional releases psychedelic trips and weird and wonderful visuals tingly bodies tingly arms hands um and probably a load of stuff that I haven't touched on, but those are the, the usuals. Um, yeah, it can get pretty, pretty weird, pretty, pretty wonderful. Um, 
and it's always interesting I think is the main thing it's mad what your, what your body can do isn't it it's great I think that for me is that's the crux of it I think even for people who are skeptical if I can get them into a session and all of a sudden they feel like this surging of energy and tingling through their body they're like okay there is something happening like it's not so it's not like something a bit more passive like I'm a huge advocate of meditation but you're you're sitting and you're you're still and you can't necessarily feel in the same way the physicality of what is happening whereas when you do breath work at a deeper level you're like oh wow like there is something actually happening here and then they're like okay that's really interesting I'll do it again I'll do it again I'll do it again and with breath work especially with conscious connected breathing I'm again a big advocate of consistent practice because and I'm talking maybe like weekly or monthly at a push because you are really peeling away the layers and I think all of us hold on to stuff tightly in our bodies and so you have to sort of chip away to make those inroads to a point where things start to come through um so yeah wow similar to therapy in that way like you won't go to one session and then not go to another for a year if there's something that you actively want to work on yeah what did you do like before this was your job <laughs> yeah um so I went to uni studied economics decided I didn't want to be an investment banker um went and started working in a tech startup spent about six six and a half years working in, in tech startups doing sort of sales account management growth um and yeah, here we are talking about breathing. So wow. um, yeah, it's pretty mad. Do you feel like you were always gonna, like now you do it, do you feel like you were always gonna get here at some point? I Now I would say yes, but I think if you'd asked me when I was, you know, miserable <laughs> and yeah, doing sales and having panic attacks in the toilets at work, I think I probably would have said, "What? I'm gonna teach breathwork for a living, yeah nice joke but um thinking back now like I guess if I think about where I want to where I see myself going forward like I've always and I've actually realized recently how much I sort of pushed this to one side I've always been fascinated by psychology neuroscience the body the mind everything within that and it's only now that I'm starting to sort of find my way into that that world and, and breathwork is I suppose the the tip of the iceberg in that perspective, like I, I can see it going off into lots of weird and wonderful places, but yeah, it definitely feels, you know, if we come back to what we're talking about at the start around alignment, like it definitely feels like it's the right thing. That's the thing, isn't it? Like you went for one session, thought it was okay, stick with it. Oh yeah, I'll go to the retreat and now it's your full-time job. I think if you just follow something that you enjoy and like put effort into it, new opportunities that you can't even think yeah. of right now will always come it might not be the yoga but then it's the follow-on from the yoga it might yeah. not be the class it might be the person that you meet that teach do you know what I mean it's it is exactly. mad. I think like as well for people that are listening and stuff it's about making the space as well like obviously what we were saying about London and like cities and stuff like people don't make time for themselves like people don't even make half an hour for themselves to journal or to meditate or to reflect on how they're feeling at that current time like we wake up we go to the gym we go to work we come home we make tea we watch tv and then we go to sleep or like that's how like it has been for so many years people and we don't make the space to actually understand that 
we aren't just here to constantly be doing and like there is a space to be I think like a group setting or a class or some form of responsibility is good for that like even the class that we went to this morning like we were going through it and it was really hard and I was thinking if I was at home I'd be like on the couch by now I wouldn't do it I wouldn't have carried on because why would I I think like if you wanted to get into something like it booking yourself on and holding yourself responsible is a really good way to go definitely definitely yeah and just to, to touch on something you guys were saying um just before around um like it might not be the yoga but it might be the the next thing that has been one of the most I I had um, someone on my podcast a little while ago and he's now since he's become sort of my coach uh, and um I asked him because he he typically coaches people on how to find that like purpose and that's a big thing right and I asked him I was like do you have an answer if someone's like how do I find my purpose because I feel like it's quite a difficult question to ask and he said and it ties really cl- nicely with what you're saying he, his advice is to follow the breadcrumbs so it's not about just waking up one morning and being like, oh, that's my purpose. It's about saying, like with me, with breathwork, it was like, I went to one class and it was, it was good, but I was like, there's something about this. I'm going to go to the next class and then I'm going to go to the next class. And then I end up at that event and my tiny little brain's going to explode. And then I'm going to go to this retreat. And it's just sort of, it's not, and this is, this for me comes, it's, it's the same as habits. It's the same as, um, meditation it's the same as anything where it's success or happiness or fulfillment or purpose is never an overnight thing it's it's the culmination of consistent small incremental um compounding gains and then one day you wake up and be like oh i found my purpose that happened overnight and it's actually no it's been the last year and a half of doing the same consistent things day in day out and and following those breadcrumbs um so yeah yeah we always look at the top dog or like the person who seems to have their shit together and like wow like oh my god like how do I get how can I be you we were saying to our coach yesterday he was telling us how he used to want to be self-employed and now he has all these companies and I was like how do I be you Brian and then he was just like telling all the daily rituals and it's so easy to quickly dismiss everything like someone's been through like it's you're looking at you now you wouldn't know everything that you've been through that you've been to through these different careers you've been through these anxieties and like distress like that and then slowly got into it you just see it now oh yeah breath work breath yeah yeah breath work like oh that's what I should do podcast like you see the the show and you don't see like the rehearsal and the back of the behind the scenes and like what actually like pain and it's weird actually like thinking about that class we did this morning it's very similar to like your story in a way like he did us in shavasana he did us a meditation about and it was about a donkey that fell down a well (laughs) but basically every time the farmer tried to pull the donkey up with like a a lead you'd shake and he'd go mad so like the farmer said he'll put him out of his misery and like basically like fill the fill the well and then every time he kept like like putting the mud like the mud soil and the rocks in like the donkey just shake it off and then after 24 hours the donkey climbed out the well himself because obviously and the point of the story wasn't to like get up and shake it off it was more to like that the rain and like the beating and all the garbage that's being put on you is key to coming out of the well and like to becoming who you are do you know what I mean it was very insightful actually. actually But it is so nice to see like 
your pain is your growth. Like you're living from that pain now. So obviously you must be so grateful for, although it's so hard at the time, there's such a, a good lesson in the pain. And there's comfort to know that everything like is that's happening to you is happening for you. Like a cliche, but it is like everything that you're going through now or people listening, if you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, know that it is there. You just not reached it yet. Yeah, exactly. I think I always come, I'm going to half butcher this quote, but it's something along the lines of like, there's comfort in knowing that 100% of your hardest days are behind you. Like yeah. every, every time you're sat there thinking, fuck, I, I can't do this. I can't get through this day. We did because you're still here. And I think that as simple as it sounds is is really reassuring. And I, I do take a lot of a lot of gratitude in the fact that there is such a thing as, as like post-traumatic growth and it actually gives you so much more perspective and, and insight and understanding of yourself that you would never have if things were just comfortable you wouldn't bother looking inwards if things were comfortable the whole time so you, I've got to take some gratitude in the fact that things got pretty hard before they got a hell of a lot easier so um yeah no I, I, I stand by that oh Aww. Jamie thank you so much for <laughs> I love that Honestly, I feel like I've learned something completely new. I think we're both just looking like, wow, we need to try this. <laughs> where can yeah. people find you? Like, where can we come and join onto a class? Like, can you let everybody know? Yeah, so best place to find me is on Instagram. So I have two Instagram pages, which is the bane of my life, but <laughs> it's my own choice. So um, yeah, for all things um, breathwork, I operate under the breath space. So at the underscore breath underscore space. And then my personal profile, which is more like dogs and my niece, but also my podcast um, is, <laughs> yeah, oh, guys, it's so stressful. We basically, quick aside for everybody, because everyone loves dogs. Um, we came out here, my girlfriend and I, to her mum's place. Her mum lives out here. Um, and one of her friends fosters puppies. She has this litter of rescue puppies that are all amazing. And we came out here and we were like, we know exactly which one we want. And then we went to meet them last night and we fell in love with one of the other ones. And then we went again this morning and fell back in love with the one we thought we wanted. And now we want two of them. And I, oh, it's actually so stressful, but we're, it's, you know, there's no wrong decision. But anyway, my personal page is um, Jamie Clements underscore on Instagram. Um, also, show notes as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, I've got a, I do quite a lot of online workshops, breathwork wise, um, for anybody who's curious. I think my next one's going to be at the start of September, um, but that'll all be announced through Instagram as well. Uh, and anybody in London, I'm doing more and more stuff in person. And in person is just a lot more impactful from my perspective like online can still be super powerful but in person is a whole sort of different ball game but yeah isn't it like the same before so the ambiance the ambiance yeah going through it and you can't escape yeah exactly like there's honestly we were like downwards facing dog with our legs up in the air and I was like get me out of it absolutely get me out it was boiling as well. Like I didn't know it was going to be hot. I had this on. I was like, oh, oh God. God. <laughs> I know. But yeah, thank you so, so much for coming on. Like, I appreciate you. And we'll leave everything down below in the show notes. Yeah. But thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. No, I appreciate it.